Welcome back to the Journey to Christ podcast with Matt and Lawrence. Today's all going to be about Isaiah because I think usually kind of like skip over the entire book. It's like a lot to process and comprehend. We're like our best shot for today. Kind of like my first thought was it's very rich in like imagery and it's like very like expressive too. So like an example of this is Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18. It says, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they be they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red as light crimson, they sh- shall be as wool. And I think that's kind of cool because he could have just been like, hey, repent, it's good for you. But instead he like brought us down to like how white it's going to be like snow and for our, our sins like scarlet. So really it's like draw like that contrast of like, what we're trying to shoot for here in terms of like the imagery and all of that. Do you have any thoughts about that, Lawrence, at all? Yeah, um, my, my thoughts were is that um, if you if you look deeper in the in verse 18, it talks about how the Lord's, you know, speaking, and it, it really explains that in that verse, he's saying, like, you're, like, kind of like you're saying with the, the, the imagery, like, the red, scarlet, you know, are, your sins will be as scarlet, you know, like as red, right? As crimson, like it's bright, it's visible, it's seen. Like the God, God can see your sins clearly, and He knows it. But He's saying that after you you, you repent, your 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 sins going to be washed away. You're going to be feeling clean. You're going to feel like a new person. You're going to be feeling whole. And I, I love that the aspect of how, like like you're saying the imagery of like from being like. Think of it like blood. Have you ever like ever cut yourself and there's blood? Or like for example, I've, I had a bloody nose, and it's like, I mean the blood doesn't feel comfortable. It doesn't. Like, I mean, it feel, I mean in a sense, I kind of feel dirty when I, I get like blood on me, and um, in a sense, once we like wash it, and you know, you, you feel cleaner. And um, in the, in, in the kind of like a comparison, um, to to verse eighteen is that. Once we like make sense, we, we, we feel dirty, but once we have that repentance tense repentance process, we feel cleaner and we feel better about ourselves. Yeah. And God's had like a good skill for being able to like distill it down to like where they're at. Because for a lot of people, always like prophecies were kinda hard to like actually understand all the time. Like one of the good like example too, is this is chapter sixty one, verse three. It says to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Now that to me is kind of crazy. He has mentioned ashes, oil, garments, trees of righteousness. When he could have just been like, hey, are you feeling sad in mourning? Just be happy, but he goes through this like journey of helping them replace their mourning with like confidence and with the beauty of Christ. I think as we ourselves take that skill of like, because back in these days, this is more like their kind of level of thinking. Whereas today might be about a car or something else, more like towards like where they're at. And he also just kind of with the contrast of like beauty for ashes, like when something feels like like destroyed there's not like any hope left for it there's still hope through christ and all that he does for us i really like that thought just because like i feel like in that verse in verse three particularly um it talks about how the very verse it says you know to appoint unto them that mourn in zion and then it continues to like say to give them beauty um for ashes and so it continues to say say other stuff but i wanted to focus on that just because i feel like when we appoint uh someone to you know to someone that is you know mourning um i feel like that's what's being done um you know especially like with ministering and stuff like that or having a friend or something just like you you have someone to go to when you're you're feeling like ashes or you're feeling you know you're sad you're mourning for sort of loss or something bad happened you know maybe you're, you had a breakup um you have someone to go to to you know to help you bring that beauty to you or to help you bring that joy to you when you're you're struggling um i really like that just because it really um tells us that you know we need to be there for each other and we need to you know 
um, find, um, you know, people that we can trust, that we can, um, you know, build and, and find that joy and find that, um, that beauty so that we can find that peace when we're, we're, when we're at rough spots. Yeah. I think adding to the second different kind of like a different direction now. I think not only is it definitely very rich in like imagery, it's also very rich in like uh, poetry and like how he like chose to like express like his like writing and all that. There's actually something called, it's called parallelism or parallelism. Yeah. And basically helps to balance out like poetry. Also like it reemphasizes the exact same point twice. So you go to chapter 55 verse six, it says, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found, and then comma, call ye upon him while he was near. And think about it, it's the exact same thought said twice in a row. Because if you compare both of these like thoughts right to comma, it's seek ye the Lord while he may be found, which basically is saying, find God, right? And the next part of that is call ye upon him while he is near. It's the same thought of like find God. So Isaiah's had this like great talent of being able to say the exact same thought and then over again. So it was like very much emphasized in like the reader's mind. I think it kind of shows too that if you love God, you'll find ways of conveying his message and like wrapping it in such a way where it like makes sense to people or trying to like just like comprehend what you're trying to say. And kind of the same way, I think sometimes we like to say new things all the time to people to like convert them most of the time though it's not really about teaching people but more like re reminding them what what they already know to be true so it's finding like different ways to like package the exact same message but different words and like different like context and all that i really like that thought um because i feel like in this verse yeah how you're saying like seek, seek the lord while he yeah, may be found and uh also, uh, um, call ye upon him while he's near. I feel like those are um, both relating to. There, there's times where we distance ourselves from the Lord, and he's saying like. You should like when you're close to God, you should seek him, like you should you know you should seek him, you know. And when we mean seek, you know you you do your work and diligently try to understand God better. You you study about His Word, and you know you you worship Him and follow Him. But as well, like, as you call upon him, like, you pray to him. And I feel like most of our times when we, we, we call upon God is when we're, we're distanced, you know. We have that strain in our relationship. We have um, bills that, you know, we don't have money to pay or, or, you know, something tragic happens. And, you know, and you need God in your life. And that's when we started seeking God. And that's when we started, you know, calling upon God. It's because, like, you know what, life is terrible in my life. You know, I need to now turn to him. So I can get back on to having a beautiful life, to having, you know, kind of like what I said earlier, uh, ashes for, for beauty, you know. Taking somebody's problems and then giving them blessings or comfort uh, or wisdom. Um, and I, I really like that. Yeah. That is true. Like, often we turn to God, like, after, like, going through something, and then he comes, like, help us, like, from that point. Kind of like, I could say, a question I had, just kind of, like, posing it, was... Why do you think that prophecies are like important? If you look at like the whole like book of like Isaiah, almost like half of it is like all like prophecies like this is gonna happen and that's I guess in your mind, Lawrence, why do you think that prophecies are like important? Why did Isaiah spend so much time talking about like the future and all that? Well, I I, I think why prophecy is so important just because it's well first thing it's it's from the Lord. It's from God. Um when God is speaking to you, I mean if you, if you think in, in your life, how many times is God speaking to, to you directly? And um, once he spoke to you, like, how did you feel? Didn't, don't you, you, I would usually say, from my you know, personal experience, um, that I, I definitely felt comforted um, or edified um, once, you know, once God has spoken to me. So I definitely say that's one point of why or prophecy is important. But the whole point of, of the prophecy is, is to prepare his people. So why Isaiah was so diligent and so earnest in uh, teaching the people he was around and everyone he, he could find and tell about is just because um, Isaiah had a, a relationship with God where he spoke to him, I, I believe it's face to face, you know. Um, and once you have a relationship um, with God, 
his his revelation becomes more important to you. And he knew how important that was. Um, because, honestly, what he's being prophesied is that people that doesn't know the gospel and aren't willing... I say, I'll I'll take that back. People that aren't willing to change um, and follow God are in trouble because he's saying, you know, you need to you need to stop doing these wicked things. These aren't aren't the way to follow God. You know, there's you know there's going to be destruction um, if you don't. But you know, in Isaiah, he talks a lot about joy. It's like it's not all about destruction in Isaiah. Like he there's he's saying that there's there's going to be eventually peace. And there's going to be, you know, glory and, you know, there's going to be joy. Um, and you can receive that if, you know, if you repent. So I think that's why prophecies prophecy is so important. Because if you think about, is there like a family member or um, a relative or, you know, or somebody in your life that you feel like, you know, I want to tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want them to let them know that everything in this book it's true and it's going to happen. And that's the, that's the, that's the thing about prophecy. It will come to true. It will, it will come to fruition. It will, um, it will come to pass. I like that. I, I think I used to think about like prophecies as more like a, trying to like prove something. I think now I think more it's like preparing for the future because even if God were to say, look, I told you this was going to happen X, Y, and Z and it happened, believe me. Some people are like, oh, you just said I just guessed that. Like, you know, happen chance or like random you just like happen to be right about that. So even with always prophecies, you can't always prove God. But I think to your point, you can always pre- prepare for the future because he tells them about the Messiah, about destruction, about where it'd be a preach of the whole like gospel for like Galilee, about miracles, the house of David, all that stuff. So he had like time to like, pre- like prepare for all of that in terms of like where they were going. I think it's cool too how there's like a pattern of Christ does things for him and not for like some sort of like social like norm. Like for example, if you look at Isaiah chapter nine, line and two, or chapter nine, verses one and two, it says, let me get to it real quick. Um, and afterward did more grievously afflict her by the way of a sea beyond Jordan and Galilee of the nations. And you would think if you were Jesus, you wouldn't start your preaching and your mission in Galilee, right? Because in that time, it's kind of like looked down upon for people. Like it wasn't as like important for like their land and like their region. You'd think it'd be like Jerusalem that he would start preaching because that's more like an important place. There's like the culture there. But... Christ shows time and time and time that his way and his way of doing things isn't our way. Like he chose to be born like a manger, like in a stable of a poor class of people. And what wasn't to show off, it was more to show more like his character shown in that way, not like his like praise or his like riches at all. I actually, that way. sorry. Um, I actually have a thought about that as you say, or, or saying about Jesus and how like he, he talked to Galilee and it was, it was you know, it wasn't really that important. Um, in, in Isaiah like 11, chapter 11, verse 2, he, um, Jesus actually speaks and he says, um, um, and this, or I say Isaiah, I should say, uh, and he, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, uh, the spirit of the wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel, might, and might, the spirit of knowledge and of fear of the Lord. Wait, is this the right one? No, sorry. It's verse 12, my bad. Um, and he shall set up an, an ensign for the nations and shall as- assemble the outcast of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. And then I, I want to focus on the outcast of Israel. And I feel like that's what he was doing. He was gathering the outcast. And may, many people may not like really realize that. Like, I feel like a lot of people feel like outcasts. Like even now that you today, now these days, like how... Have you ever felt like Matt? Have you ever felt like an outcast, like either during school or just like general life? Have you ever felt that experience or no? Not really. Yeah, sure. Would you say was it because of like, um, of, 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 of your peers, or would you just say you feel it's more of your inadequacies or? 
I think it's more having to like understand like where you're at because when you're a kid, you're trying to figure, figure yourself out too, like what you kind of value, how you're built, and all that kind of stuff. So like not during that time of thinking, you're not sure where you're at, so you're gonna get outcast, like everyone else. That makes sense. Yeah, I I feel like as well like people, I I don't know how it was back then that um in Galilee, um but I feel like how people treat each other like if people like treat like. People like you're not that really important, and that may possibly might feel them like it's like I I feel like an outcast because you're not treating me as you know as someone of value, or you're not giving me you know you're not giving me validation, or you're not really um, or you're ignoring me kind of thing. Like I feel like in our society we can sometimes um, exclude people and make them feel like outcasts, like oh they're not including me to this activity or whatever. It doesn't have to be an activity, but they you know, somehow exclude you or they make you feel like an outcast or you feel like you don't belong because like what you're saying, you don't know who you are exactly and you're trying to figure out who you are and it's just uh, really hard. Yeah. And to that point, for the whole like land of like Galilee, they were all like the outcasts of Israel. So he, he took that time to go out and see them personally, I think was like super, super important. And it's also really cool that's like whole like Isaiah thing, like the miracle, like the genealogy. For like a lot of people, like they were in the house of David, but they weren't necessarily able to trace it back. It'd be like if you were in the tribe of like Ephraim, right? You can like say, I'm like Ephraim, but you don't know like how you're traced back. But in the example of Christ, it's really cool how in like the books of like Matthew and Luke, they're actually able to trace back his entire genealogy, his entire line back to David, which I think is cool because most people aren't that like impressed by his being in David, because that was like very common back in the day for almost everyone in the land. But I think God knew it'd be, be like important to people, where it's like validation proof that he actually was traced back and like valid almost through the house of David. Because if, he, if people couldn't prove it as much, I think it'd be harder to always maybe trust him in some ways. I'm not sure. But um, to actually add on that, um, if you read. Um early on, like, even, like, in the Exodus, it talks about, um, how, like, they use their lineage as, like, as, like, proof, like, as, as, like, saying, like, I am, you know, a Levite, and I have the authority to, you know, for this priesthood, and I, you know, I can exercise it, but, like, if you don't have that, that proof of lineage, you, you don't, you can't, you can have that privilege of, uh, having that priesthood and that authority, because, uh, at that time, the Levitical priesthood, you know, were given to the Levites, and which is you know called the Aaronic priesthood, but you know they couldn't, you know, they couldn't use no one could use that priesthood unless you were a Levite, right? Yeah. So at that time you had to have your genealogy. So it's super important because there's super important things about the priesthood. There's only certain ordinances that can be, or there's ordinances that can be performed. There's, yeah, there's an, there, there's ordinances that can be performed through the priesthood, and it's important to have that that proof. It just kind of shows me like all the behind the scenes that God does for our lives because had Christ said I'm the house of David but there's like no proof of it like the line some people have been like well maybe you are but we can't prove it I think in the same way in our lives God does things behind the scenes that we don't know about to help us just like be here like the evidence of our lives like there's things every day you could have like died in a car crash but you didn't and like God behind the scenes of this everything for us Give me your thoughts, Lawrence. Um, other thoughts. Um, I just, I just kind of want to just want to say that. Um, can I go back just to just to go back a little bit, gallery Galilee? Is is that what you were speaking about? Is that Jesus Christ was like really trying to get out, trying to like save everybody? Like he felt like an outcast. He, he was like seeking you. Um, so I feel like Isaiah uh, did a great job. And, and just testifying of Jesus Christ. And actually, I don't know if you knew this, Matt, but Jesus himself actually was, he used Isaiah's word the most in, in, in his teachings. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's, that's very powerful um, that Jesus Christ himself used, uh, referred to Isaiah's words most frequently out of all the prophets he used his words the most. And I... I think there's definitely profound uh, truth and wisdom in that just because, um, you know, Jesus is the light. And so there must have been a lot of um, truth that we needed to hear in, in Isaiah. 
Yeah, I'm almost kind of sad then that we've kind of tainted it to be more like it's hard to read it or comprehend the book of Isaiah, so we don't ever like go into it. Whereas to your point, I put Christ to use for his teachings to talk to the people. Yeah, because like if you uh, look at the, uh, the, the book of Isaiah, you will find um, a lot of like understanding about Jesus Christ that you wouldn't um, you wouldn't see um, in other parts of the book like even like Nephi like there's tons of times where it's like referenced like second Nephi there are different parts of like Isaiah and all that <laughs> that's true that's why I mean I think that's why it's so important it's, it's also in the Book of Mormon as well as in the Bible it's like it's saying like Jesus Christ used it the sentence that's in the Bible, it's it's in the Book of Mormon. You know, multiple prophets are, are using it. Um, but I think the the thing about it is that the the the, the importance about it is that a lot of people um, get like caught up into the imagery and to the poetry. It's like I don't understand this, you know, right? But I think it's more looking at the simplicity of of the doctrine that's in it itself. Like for example, it talks about um, in the I believe second uh, second Isaiah. Um, I believe that's when he gets called to be a prophet, and um, it's when he he, he sees God and um, he then uh, goes. Um, he he talks about you know how you talked about the repentance. Yeah. Um. It talks about, I'm trying to think, it talks about, is it Isaiah 2? I want to say, yeah, because there's a part where Isaiah, um, no, it's, it's Isaiah 6, my bad. So Isaiah is finally seeing God, he, go, he comes to visit them, and um, he repents of his sins. And actually, I'd like to point out uh, something in, in that chapter. Um it's in verse um, seven, eight. I eight. Um, and he says, "Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us?' Then said I, Here am I. Send me." And I, I know that's really confusing, but what happened is, so God is is Jesus is is with. With, with God and um, and what happens is he he, he forgives um, Isaiah of his sins but he's he's asked God asked like who I, I need a prophet who shall I send he didn't say Isaiah you're gonna be our near prophet he he actually gave Isaiah the options like he, he's speaking to Isaiah like a conversation like who shall I send and he's like here am I and I, I really like that because he 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 chose to to take on this mantle, like he chose to um, take on this this huge mantle. And the thing is, he wasn't um, prideful about it at all. But the humility of humility and willingness to like follow God is like you know what I want to follow you. And I know um, I, I think that's what he felt. It's like I know you you came for me for this purpose. You know. I, you know, you, you blessed me uh, with, with repentance or forgiveness of my sins, and now you're here to, to call me as your, your, your servant. And, you know, he says, send me, and he, he does. It, um, and he continues to say, and he said, go and tell this people, hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. And pretty much what is going on in there is, like, you need to go tell these people. There's people that that's sees like yeah I can see or I can hear but they really don't understand or they're not perceiving what the revelation is being said or what really is trying to be you know said in the doctrine of Christ it's like there's so many people God's talking to Isaiah it's like hey there's all these people that don't understand them you need to preach to them about my doctrine you know you need to tell them about all these prophecies as well as these these doctrines and um, Isaiah does a great job of doing that I like that I think too to like your point of it's hard to like comprehend the whole book because of the always like imagery and stuff. I think that's what makes it like beautiful though in a way. Because once you get that part down, 
it's able to like unlock this like new le level of like the spirit in my opinion if you look at like isaiah 6 it's like confusing at first when you like read it because it talks about a live coal and the tongs off the altar and is it pronounced a seraphim yeah seraphim and you would think what the heck's Seraphim's going on yeah. here like this is like ridiculous but the imagery of Isaiah sees himself as not holy. He has all these things he's trying to like resolve and become closer to Christ. And then like in response to that, God has like a coal from like off the altar and then it touches his lips and it like purifies him. And like, how cool is that? Like, because I think in a few ways it shows first, like it wasn't just like off of anything. It was from like the altar and it shows that only like through Christ can we like have our sins like forgiven through his grace. And then also like it was his, his like mouth, which represents almost like who we are. It's like being able to speak and like say what we want. And one thought I had, I'm not sure if it's like the doctrine that he's trying to like get across here, mm -hmm. but like for the cold too, it's like probably hot, you know, like it's not going to be like a cold thing. It's like smoldering his lips. Right. And like sometimes trying to change isn't easy mm -hmm. through Christ, but like the pain that you have to go through is worth it after all that you go through. And so all that in context, hard to like get in, in like the like beginning, but after you like get all of like the imagery down, this like amazing story kind of comes out of all that confusion, like initially. That's true. I really liked your comments, especially like uh, what you said about, um, about his sins, like weighing him down and he's trying to get closer to God. And uh, I feel like, that's something that he really believed in Jesus Christ, that he could be healed from Jesus Christ, because like, he said like, here I am I, like I, I will be your, you know, your servant, and being willing to like, knowing that, you know, his sins were truly forgiven, and be willing, you know, it's like, he, he's know he's forgiven, and now he can like, move forward in his life and serve God, um, which is awesome, but I also want to comment also on your, your, uh, what you said about the altar, um, and the coal, so, from my understanding, I don't know if it's doctrine, from my understanding, this is all imagery. So, what it is, the altar is, is Jesus Christ. And so, the coal is the power of Jesus Christ. And it, it touches his lips. And it purifies uh, him. And that's, um, and, and I like how you explain it, that it's painful. And yeah, sometimes repentance is painful. Not just because, uh, it's really because of the, the sins we make. It's, it's, it's painful because, you know, there's sometimes we have to, you know, make amends with, you know, relationships. It's not hard and, it, and it's not always easy, but it, it feels better. It feels better when we're forgiven and when we make that chance or those steps to repent. It, it shouldn't be, it should be something that we seek for just because, yes, it's hard at first, you know, kind of like we're saying, it's, there's, there's this process of, of pain, but there's also this joy that comes afterwards. It's also very, like, personal too. Like, it wasn't this some, like, abstract, the abyss thing that happened. It was like, it touched his lips. I think in the same way, like, Christ's, like, grace and his, like, forgiveness in our life is also very personal. Like, it touches us. And if we don't touch Christ, so to speak, like, with our spirit, then that 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 same grace isn't there for us. You know what? I actually really thought, I love that thought. Uh, I thought it came to me as you were speaking. You know how, like, the coal actually touched his mouth? Or I, I think it's figuratively. Um, well, either way, either way, the but, image is still there. So, yeah. yeah. So... I, I kind of want to say that that was a symbolism of like, you know how like the fruits, the fruit, the tree of life, the fruit? Yeah. I feel like that's the, the, the love of God. So really he was tasting the love of God and it was a coal because of his sins. They had a, he had to be purified. And it was something later on that was much more sweeter and fruitful um, later on. But right now it was, it was, you know, he had to be cleansed and he, has to, he had to be purified. I did that too, because we always like seem to like package love in this one way, like has to be sweet all the time, like the fruit from like the tree of life. Sometimes love can be kind of painful and like it hurts us, but like he loves us so much to hurt us, to help us to change, to become more like him. No, I definitely agree with you. There's been times, um, I, I've, been, I've been forgetful, it's, it's, it's really bad, but there's been times where I go to school. I forget my homework. It's like, it's like if my mom can't get it for me. It's like, no, it's not. It's not her responsibility and stuff like that. But it's like, yeah, we gotta, you know, learn a lesson. You know, if there's some, you know, tough lessons that you know parents, you know, do for you out of tough love, and they, you know, it's you know to help you grow. So, it's definitely real, man. So I agree. And to that point too, like this entire book, 
I like this theme of like repenting. If you look at like throughout the entire like like scripture for this, there's like tons of different times talks about like repenting, like your sins, like resolving like your issues. Kind of a question I have thought of is like, what is our like response to this call to him to like repent? Because you can like read all this and be like, okay, that's cool and all, but like takes me like the time to like think, okay, I've actually have to like resolve this in my life. So this isn't like in vain at the writings of like Isaiah to our lives in that way. I, I actually like, I'm glad that you said it just like exactly like that. Cause I feel like there's a misunderstanding and misconception of the atonement where we feel like we have to resolve our own sins, but that's not what the case is. It's more like allowing Jesus Christ to resolve it for us. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's like a call from him to us to resolve it. Yeah. So we have to like constantly be in prayer or say constantly. So daily, we should be praying daily. Um, you know, when we fall, we're going to be falling to Jesus Christ instead of falling into our own hands. It's like, you know what, this is my fault. And we try to take the, the steering wheel or the reins to like to drive um, or, or to our destination thinking, you know, um, I can't get over this. And the thing is, is you, you're trying to take away, you're trying to, you're trying to take away the power of Jesus Christ because that's his power. That's his responsibilities. And we try to take his responsibility and saying, you know, I can, you know, overcome the sin if I, you know, work hard enough. It's more of, you have to put faith in Jesus Christ. He's going to take care of you. He's going to heal you of your sin. But you have to do that daily, you know, through prayer. And you have to put effort. Even if you fall, that's, you know, that's, you know, that's okay. You know, he knows that. He understands that's going to be a process. Um, but you just can continue to put that effort there. And I really like that. Like, what are we going to do afterwards? Are we going to make changes in our lives um, after reading this? Because I feel like, it's easy to read something and just like, yeah, that was really cool, you know, and then yeah. just walk away and, and not ever use it or not to, uh, or, you know, don't ever change our, our actions to, to, to really grow from it. I agree. Like, there's actual, like, true change that's available to us through Christ. This is actually in the book, too. It's chapter 44, verse 2, or 3. It says, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. And floods upon the dry ground, I'll pour my spirit upon thy seed, and my blessing upon thy offspring. And my, and they shall spring up as among the grass, as willows by the water courses. And to your point, just kind of like the abundance, like the spirit and like repentance and grace, like that's offered to us. Like here it's showing a dry ground and it's like flooding because there's like so much water on there. And if you have like, sins are like like resolved like issues in your life like god's able to pour his spirit upon us and change us and our character with his help i like that just because like i feel like in our life we get um overwhelmed with like with the stuff and sometimes we get we, we get all these blessings in our lives like kind of like we're just a dry barren you know desert and or ground and we get all this water and sometimes we don't soak it all up we just get like a little portion of it just because it's, you know, we really don't understand what we're actually receiving. Like, when we, we're blessed, um, there's been times in my life where um, I've been blessed, and I didn't really truly understand the blessing of it. Like, for example, there's been times um, um, where I've been through struggles, um, and I didn't understand why I had to go through it, or, you know, why, you know, I was going through this exactly, but... Uh, it was definitely for my good, and I was definitely growing. Um, but later on, it really taught me a blessing, which was given to me a lot. You know, once it was given to me, you know, reflecting on it, and I was like, God was really during that struggle. He was really like helping me develop a relationship with Him. Like, I, I don't know how many people see this, but like, there's sometimes like, you can have a struggle and you can blame God, or you can actually like come to God like as your father's like hey I'm struggling and I feel I don't know how many people feel that this way but I actually feel confident in coming to God with all my problems like he's like literally my father like I can like go about whatever whether it be like dating struggles or like just you know um, job you know searching for jobs you know struggles with you know looking for jobs or for applying jobs or just like other stuff like I can really just like talk to him and have a meaningful like relationship and just have really got a good conversation with them. So I feel like 
there are blessings out there that we we can really benefit if we just uh, um, give it a chance and have an open heart and uh, be willing to to receive that water that's you know given to us or that that light or that blessing or that revelation that God gives us. Like too, how you said you didn't like understand like the gift. I think too, if you have all this water pouring on you. And you're like the ground. If you like, you, th- you don't like understand like the blessing of the water. You won't take it. And God can pour all this rain and all these blessings on your life. But if you don't accept it, then it's all like in vain. I like the like the atonement. Like it's His free gift to us to repent. But it's still like wrapped up. We have to like open that gift and we have to actually use it for to like be able to change our lives. And I think like how often do we have like things happen. We think, oh, that was just like random. That was just like, that just happened. But it was actually God's grace and his like blessings coming to our life. We just didn't see it for what it was. But I think as you try to see more how he blessed your life that day, more things will happen. And you'll also be able to like take that blessing and use it more because you understand how to use it for his, his life and all that. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think that's something that, that I've been doing or that I have done in my life and I don't know how many people that do it but why don't you just like look at your struggles that you've experienced like in, like in your life and just like why did I have that struggle is there a reason is there a lesson that I needed to learn when I was you know five years old and you know I don't know you broke your mom's window or whatever you know as you're growing up as you know 16 year old or as you grow like these struggles these, these pains these sorrows because I feel like there's there could be really deeper meaning in them because God is really trying to bless your life. He's not, um, he, he's your father. He, he really does love you. So he's not trying to, to hurt you. Um, he's definitely trying to bless your life. So I think as you, you know, reflect in your life, some of your struggles and, and you know, get a paper or, or some kind of journal, just kind of jot your thoughts down and kind of see what, where God directs you and see how he can help you see. He's like, you know what? I really wanted you to teach you this. Like, for example, from my experience, God really wanted to teach me that he is real and that I could have a meaningful relationship with him. I think adding to that, I'm not sure like where it is like in the scriptures, but the part where he talks about how he was like uh, chastised for us, like for our peace, like like the stripes like upon his like back and all that. And then he was like rejected of like man and he was like lonely, like, like despised too. It's like this um, pattern of even for Christ, he went through all this like pain too, to become who he had to be. I think if you were God, you had to make this human being that how it was trying to become this and this and become like you, then you would give that human being certain like experiences to grow. And it probably would have been so easy for God to have saved Christ for the atonement for the cross and the garden of like Gethsemane, but he chose to like hold back and like the whole like process, like this was like trust in the process that this all this pain was like for like a good reason. It was for his gain and all that. Um, are you talking about Alma uh, chapter seven, eleven through thirteen? It talks about how um, I, I'll, I'll read it and you tell me if this is what you were meaning. It says, and he shall go forth suffering pains and afflictions and temptations of every kind. And this, that the word might be fulfilled, which, which saith, he will take upon him the pains and the sicknesses of his people, and he will take upon him the death, or take upon him death, that he may loose the bands of death which bind his people, and he will take upon him their infirmities, that his bowels may be filled with mercy according to the flesh, that he may know according to the flesh how to succor his people according to the to their infirmities. Now the Spirit knoweth all things, nevertheless the Son of God suffereth according to the to the flesh, that he might take upon the sins of his people, that he might blot out their transgressions according to the power of his deliverance. And now behold, this is the testimony which is in me. I mean, same like concept, like same theme, kind of what you're saying, like forgiveness, like the, the atonement. I was actually referring to chapter 53, verse 5. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our, our, our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. I just like how direct that is. Like, it's very to the point. Like, his wounds are why we are healed. And without those wounds, 
we wouldn't even be here. Like, there's no chance we'd even, like, be able to make it. And it's also very, this deep imagery too, too, like, he was crushed and the chastisement and the wounds and pierced. And it just shows all this pain had to be transformed into, like, our beauty almost for us to be able to, like, thrive here. Yeah, I really love that. Um, because if you go back uh, into the Bible, um, I wish I, I knew the, the chapter and the verse, um, but it talked about how Jesus Christ was praying to Heavenly Father, and he was uh, talking to him, and he was saying, like, Lord, if it be thy will, or if, if it be thine will, uh, take this cup from me. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, he says, um, you know, I, I will, I, I will take, a, I will, I will take, uh, I will drink the bitter cup. Um, but there's a verse in there. Um, I wish I could have found it, but it's, it was saying that um, Jesus Christ chose willingly chose to suffer. Like he willingly chose to suffer these uh, afflictions, these wounds. So it, it makes it more meaningful. Like he. He chose to be wounded for us so that we can be healed. Mm-hmm. So if you think about that, he made a huge sacrifice. Like, for example, would you get wounded for somebody so you can help save them or get healed? Does that make sense? Like sometimes people may help people. Maybe like they have baggage, or so maybe it be my emotional affliction. That's like, okay, I'm gonna be their support. Maybe it it kind of bogs you down, but you're just trying to you know take care of yourself and help them out at the same time. At, would you say is there like a would you say would you do the same thing like and put yourself out there and like wound yourself to like to heal someone I should say depends I think it comes down to love yeah I think I would define love as the degree where you're willing to sacrifice for somebody because if you love somebody but you're not willing to, to sacrifice at all then you probably don't love them that much so to, I guess to answer your question if there's like some like random stranger and I didn't love them or know them, it's a lot harder to want to like die for them or like sacrifice for them. If there's just like someone that I don't even know, or if it's like your parents, that's a lot easier too. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I actually had a thought when I was listening to you. Um, would you say like when Jesus Christ got wounded, uh, or you know he felt all these pains and sufferings and infirmities and afflictions? Would you say that when we get sick or when we get, you know, have these infirmities or when we get wounded, um, that we can actually get closer to Jesus Christ because we both can heal together? Like, this is not, not just um, me just healing you or Jesus Christ just healing you, but you, you're healing together, if that makes sense. I think it goes both ways because you could, but you could also blame God for the sickness and think this was his fault. I think, honestly, you can come closer to God through joy, through pain, through the ups and downs. And hopefully it shouldn't really matter where you're at in life, where your like connection to Christ is at that given moment. Like you should be able to on like the day of like your wedding, love God with him as when like you lose like everything and like you're bankrupt. So I should go both ways hopefully. No, no, I definitely agree with you there. And then I think we would think if you were Christ, you'd be popular and like you can turn water into wine. You're like the party guy, you know, like you have always followers. And he even had like the day like the Passover had people like dropping all those like leaves. What do they call it? The, the, it's called Palm Sunday. Yeah, so it's like the Palm, palm Sunday. All like the palms on there. You think, wow, what a great life. But in this um, verse in Isaiah, this is chapter 53, verse 3. It says, and he was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. And whenever you think of like, you're like rejected and like no one like cares about you, just think about like the most powerful person in the world. Like he had all like the accolades and power and authority and he was worthy of that honor to the point where if we saw him today, we would like worship him. And all of that, we take that and he was like rejected, he was crucified. And even says in here, men hid their faces because he was that like, despised, like to the point where you wouldn't want to be seen or like around him. Like that one person where like, you worry that by being like around them, they almost mess up like your image, like your like, reputation. Like that's how bad people like disliked him and all that. 
I really like that just because um, if you think about it, I don't know if you know this, but multiple times that Jesus Christ told the people he healed, it's like, don't tell anybody. Like, you know, just, you know, keep, you know, keep this to yourself. And the whole reason why is that he chose this path of, of rejection. Um, he couldn't, um, he couldn't be, you know, he couldn't be king. Like, he couldn't be king in Jerusalem just because if he was, he couldn't be able to perform that atonement. Like, he had to choose the harder path. He had to, you know, make sure, you know, when the time was right, you know, the Pharisees were, you know, building up grudges and hate. And it's like, we got to take this. We got to take Jesus down. You know, he's getting too much followers. He's getting really powerful. We, we need to, you know, somehow, you know, accuse him of a, a, a crime, right? Like, you know, like blasphemy. They, they accuse him of blasphemy. And it's like, you know, that's, that's worthy of death. And, and so, um, and that's pretty much why um, Jesus Christ had... To, he had a role to play, and he knew that role was that he had to choose rejection. He had to uh, face pain and sorrow. And I think that's why he went to the Gethsemane to pray. He prayed for his father for help. It's like, you know what? This burden is so heavy. And there's a scripture that talks about how heavy that it makes him shake, and like he bleeds from every pore. Um, mm -hmm. And that's in what? Do you see 19? Um, I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, it's in DC 19, it says, um, it says this, which suffering caused myself, even God, the greatest of all, to tremble because of pain and to bleed at every pore and to suffer both body and spirit and would that I might not drink the bitter cup and shrink. Nevertheless, glory to be the Father. I put partook and finished my preparations unto the children of men. Wherefore, I command you again to repent. At least I, am hu least I humble you with my almighty power that you confess your sins. At least you suffer these punishments of which I have spoken, uh, which is in the smallest, yea, even in the least degree you have tasted at the time I withdrew my spirit. So... It really is profound just that he he had to choose this path of rejection of this path of pain like he he came to to God and um he he sought for help he sought for for comfort and and I feel like even says the greatest of all he 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 was trembling and he struggled with this um so he he understood struggle and he understood what pain was and sorrow and i I, I think that's just to go about what you're saying like he really loved us like to choose a path that was difficult because mm -hmm. if we think about in our lives like how often are you willing to take the difficult path i said it depends what you're going to get from the path anything about it for christ he doesn't get anything from it per se it's only for our gain because like if you think about it like how many times that we always think about us right jesus mm -hmm. christ wasn't thinking about us he was thinking about his father it's like i have to complete this for my father because that's how much he loved his father and um because i feel like in all in, in our lives that we like we, we think about ourselves like if i take this difficult path how is this going to help me right and i feel like if we change our perspective like if i take this difficult path how is this going to help me become closer to god and i don't know how many people actually you know think in that perspective um, but I think you actually will have a different kind of relationship with God if you just change that perspective. Like, if I go to, you know, to school, to, you know, BYU or, you know, to ASU or whatever school, you, you know, you've been thinking about going to, and like, how is it, will this, you know, path lead me to, you know, or would, you know, something different? It would it be better for me to, you know, um, do a trade school or do a online schooling or, you know, or get, you know, go into law or be a doctor or like these paths that we have in life you know we make them every day but how often do we like make god the focus like if if i take this path how would that help me become closer to him how is this going to better my relationship with him so i just um i think that's going to really change your relationship with god if you just have that perspective it's kind of a cool thought because like in the framework of what are, like, my contentions here? I think about both Christ and Satan had the same goal. Um, help God. 
even the devils believe in God and his power, but their intentions are night and day difference. Like Christ won't have the intentions of helping his father, giving all the glory to him, or Satan won't all have the glory for himself. I think in the same way, our intentions, you know, like the quote that nothing is good or bad, but like think he makes it so. I think that's not obviously true, but like the idea of the, the quote is even like your scriptures, if you read your, your scriptures for praise and everyone's like, wow, what a good person. Whereas if like your like intentions are instead of trying to love God in the same light for Christ and like the Isaiah chapters, he's going through all this suffering like rejection for the intention of not thinking everyone's going to be like, wow, poor Christ. It's more so the glory's all towards Christ or God and all of his glory and all that. Yeah, I definitely agree with you just because, um, like you said, you know, the devils know that, you know, Jesus Christ's power is real because, you know, they, 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 they see it and they experience it and, you know, they were, you know, cast out by the power of God. Um, but do you really think about it? Um, like you were saying, our intentions does really matter. Like, it's, it, yes, you do have to put effort and intentions. People may say, like, Intentions is, is, is not everything, but um, if your heart's in the right place and you're trying to, you know, do God's will, and you, as long as you continually turn to Him, um, because I know that we people we make mistakes. There's been times, you know, how many times that you 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 intentionally try to help someone, and then in the process you hurt someone, mm-hmm. and, and you not you weren't trying to hurt them. You're just trying to maybe it's like you're you're, you're friend is struggling and you're trying to help them you're trying to give them advice and something you said maybe was offended them maybe they, they took it the wrong direction um in a sense you know we have these good intentions and you know i know that it's important that our heart is you know i think that what it is is as long as we are humble and willing to turn to god and if we make those mistakes god's gonna correct us he's gonna say you know what this is not what I really wanted you to do. I wanted you to go here. And he, and then we can make that, you know, we can repent and change that, you know, we can change that path to his will. And I feel like that's that's important. I kind of like to wrap things up a little bit. Just the idea of like just God's love. I think it's like, there's a quote from like Elder Holland, kind of like paraphrase it, but it was like the idea of every good thing counts. Like even if you choose like the wrong thing, but like your like intentions were good at first, God counts every small thing, like your thoughts, your actions, like as long as we like try our best, God will take into like consideration like what we're trying to do. And like, the more that we try and the more that we do like good, it'll factor more in our like our favor and like the end. So that throws like a quick rundown of Isaiah. It obviously is not very thorough because this is a huge book with lots of different references and prophecies and like analogies, but We'll probably do like some like part two down the road for Isaiah, but any other thoughts you had, Lawrence, before we like wrap things up? Um, honestly, I th- I think what was said was was really solid and good, and, and uh, I love it so. It's 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 wonderful. All right, we're gonna wrap it up there, guys. Hope you guys have an amazing day, and God bless.